Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On Air with the Chair. As always, I'm your MEC chairman, uh, Nicholas James. So typically we start off these podcasts with a what's new section, and then we kind of go into the heart of the podcast, but we're going to skip the the what's new section for the moment. We're just going to dive right into uh, what Vaughn wants to present to the pilot group because there's a lot of really great information there. And what he's going to present to you are two different things, an ASAP FOCA crosstalk program that we are considering here at the MEC level and at the pilot group level, and also an enhancement to our fatigue program. So Let's just delve right in. And Vaughn, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be back on the show. Absolutely. So Vaughn, let's just kind of start off by talking about how the ASAP process works today. And then we'll talk about how the ASAP Focal Crosstalk can work tomorrow. Sure, Nick. Um, so I'm sure the pilot group's basically familiar with the Aviation Safety Action Program. That's our ASAP program. A really brief summary of how ASAP works right now. Pilots who are out flying the line they might identify a, a potential safety hazard or they might experience um, a safety event or safety incident that they want to report to the, uh, to the company and to the, the association and the FAA. And the way they go about doing that is filling out the form on the website. They talk about what happened and the event review committee, which is composed of an FAA representative, a company representative, and an ALPA representative meet on a weekly basis. They review the reports that have been submitted. And depending on what's happened and, and what's been reported, they either close a report with no action or they close a report with recommendations to the company to mitigate a safety hazard. And in certain circumstances, they close a report with what's called a corrective action. And a corrective action is just something as simple as a phone call from the ALPA representative, the company representative, or sometimes the FAA representative on the ERC to discuss what happened during an event and basically debrief on it. It could also be a threat and error management training session with one of our FTIs. And then in very rare circumstances, it, it could be something like a simulator uh, session where the crew would go back into the simulator and rehash what happened. So I think that's a great explanation of what happens currently inside the process. But the limitation with ASAP reports is we rely completely on pilot perception. And what we've seen you know, over the years throughout the industry is pilot perception and what actually occurred inside the FOCWA data there may be some discrepancies there. And we base the corrective action solely on pilot perception. And so if a pilot perceives that an event happened for a different reason than it actually happened, we're not getting the best corrective action out of the program that we can, the way it is currently structured. So Vaughn, I mean, how do we bring the FOCWA data into it and crosstalk that with the ASAP data to make that better corrective action? Nick, the, the premise behind ASAP FOCA Crosstalk is really simple. Um, right now, the ASAP program depends solely on a pilot's narrative. And what we want to do is be able to introduce objective FOCA data into the process in a very limited way that protects the pilots to allow us to better understand why a safety event occurred and what the best corrective action would look like for that event. Uh, a number of different carriers have already implemented this program. Delta Airlines was the first in 2015. United Airlines is going to be signing a crosstalk LOA here shortly. American Airlines and Spirit already have a program that are underway. Right now, when a pilot files an ASAP report, the event review committee meets on a weekly basis on Thursday. They review the reports, and generally most reports are just closed with no corrective action or they're fed into our safety management system to be evaluated. You know, what are the risks associated with that? 
Is there a procedure we could change? Something like that. That's how you find or figure out the trends, right? Where you start to see a trend uh, that is negative either at this carrier or in this industry. Exactly. That's where our trends come from. Folk data, ASAP data, you know, fatigue information. This is the heart and soul of safety. So what we're really looking to do here we want to introduce FOQA data in a very limited way to help better understand what happened during an event. We're basing our entire ASAP program on the pilot's narrative. But a lot of the time, when a pilot experiences a safety event or safety incident, you know, there's a lot going on. And a lot of the times they're in a high workload environment. If so, what the pilots perceive can often be very different from what the, the FOQA data shows. And to be able to bring FOQA data into the ASAP process in a very limited way would allow us to better understand events and develop corrective actions that really get to the heart of what happened. So Vaughn, you had, you had said that the reason that we hadn't really brought FOQA data into the mix in the past, even though there's certainly a, a enhanced safety aspect to that, is because there is the potential that that data could have a negative impact on the pilot. Can you explain how that data can have a negative impact in the steps that you and your team have taken to mitigate that risk? Sure, Nick. So the, the biggest concern with introducing FOCO data into the ASAP program would be a potential situation where the FAA could take certificate action against a pilot based off of FOCO data, or the company could take disciplinary action against a pilot based off of FOCO data. In this LOA proposal uh, that we've crafted, which is based off of you know, the programs at Delta and other carriers, we've built in numerous circuit breakers and protections to prevent that from ever happening. The biggest thing we've done, Nick, is that we've, we've removed the FAA from any process that involves the FOCO data. So FOCO data is only going to be viewed between the Alpha rep and the company rep. It would only deal with the specific event in question. It would be done under the direct supervision of an Alpha gatekeeper who are already the individuals who deal with FOCO data on a regular basis and who, who have dealt with it for years at our airline. The company would not be able to take disciplinary action based off of FOCO data or any discrepancy between FOCO data or perceived discrepancy between FOCO data and an ASAP report. And nor could they exclude an, exclude an ASAP report over FOCO data, and, correct? And they could never exclude an ASAP report over FOCO data. When an ASAP report is submitted, it's auto-accepted. Um, an ASAP report is immediately accepted. And the only criteria for exclusion are you know, substance abuse alcohol abuse, criminal activity, intentional falsification. Uh, at Endeavor, we've, we've never excluded a report for any of those big reasons. So there are multiple circuit breakers that are contained inside this LOA. And I, I would point out to the pilot group that the biggest circuit breaker is the fact that this is not a permanent LOA. This is temporary. And it can be pulled down, um, not even by mutual consent, but just by one party at any point in time during this 12-month trial period. So that is your primary circuit breaker um, if something were to go awry or if we were to see the FAA or uh, the company start to act in, in a manner inconsistent with the goals of the ASAP FOCA Crosstalk program. But there's also a lot of subset circuit breakers inside there um, that will trip before we would even have to get to that level to protect the pilot. One thing that I think, uh, Vaughn, maybe the listeners would, would be interested in hearing about your work with Todd Tilbury, who is basically your counterpart on the company side, every step of the way where we've said we have a risk exposure here and we'd like to put some sort of trip point circuit breaker in there to mitigate that, every step of the way, they've been willing to do it. There really hasn't been hardly any pushback, to my knowledge, um, on any of those things. So could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. Um, so this was a process that we started 
over four years ago now, myself and the, uh, you know, I was a previously the vice chairman and myself and Jerry Satko, the previous chairman of the, of the safety committee, we went down to uh, Atlanta and observed multiple ERC meetings where they were using it in ASAP Focal Crosstalk program. And based off of those meetings, we came back to the company and discussed the idea. And then about two years ago, myself and Todd Tilbury and the other members of the safety committee, uh, we sat down and we developed this letter of agreement proposal. Todd worked with us every single step of the way. Uh, and, and like you said, Nick, including all of the protections and, and circuit breakers that we wanted in place to ensure that this program would stay on track. So Nick, the way this process would work from the pilot's end, really not much is going to change. Pilots would experience an event out on the line. Um, I'll use an example. Let's say uh, a long landing, okay? They'd file an ASAP report, and uh, it would go to the normal event review committee as it normally does. The ALPA rep, company rep, and the FAA rep would meet, and they'd talk about a report, and they'd decide whether or not they wanted to have a corrective action related to that or not. After that normal meeting of the event review committee, just the ALPA rep and the company rep would sideline. They're now called, that, that would be called the after board. They would sideline. And- after? Could you... I know that's not A-F-T-E-R, so why don't we uh, just kind of pause right there and talk about the new acronym that we're introducing into the aviation world. Sure. Um, so the after board stands for the ASAP FOCWA Data Review Board. Uh, it would just be composed of the ALPA rep and the company rep. You will all be quizzed on that later. <laughs> yes. Um, they would sit down. They would have to unanimously agree. Both of them would have to agree that they wanted to look at the FOCWA data related to a particular event. The way that this program is designed, this would not be a regular occurrence. This would be a fairly uncommon occurrence dealing with events that are of a more interesting nature, if you will. Um, so we wouldn't expect this to happen on the average ASAP report. So this after board, ASAP FOCO Data Review Board, they would sit down and they would say, hey, we want to look at the FOCO data related to this event so that we can make a better corrective action or tack on to the corrective action that the full event review committee has already created. So what they would end up doing in that situation, they'd vote on it, and they'd send a request to the FOCAL monitoring team, also known as the FMT. And the FOCAL monitoring team is already a body that exists. It's all of the ALPA gatekeepers and the company uh, FOCAL manager. So right now, there's six ALPA gatekeepers and one company FOCAL manager. They would have to vote on whether or not they would approve the request for that FOCAL data review by the afterboard. Uh, it would have to be a unanimous agreement. So if there was any dissenting gatekeeper, then that would shut it down right there. Okay, And that's a circuit breaker that's built in to protect the pilots. ALPA would have essentially full control over that part of the process because we do have you know, a super majority on the focal monitoring team. If they approve that request, we'd have two gatekeepers sit down. They would go through the focal data related to a particular ASAP report and only that ASAP report. We don't look beyond the scope of an ASAP report. We don't look at a pilot's FOCWA history, and we don't keep track of that history. I'm sure our pilots are well aware of that after going through CQ and, and speaking to FOCWA on you know, a yearly basis. But um, they would review the data and come up with a synopsis of you know, roughly what happened during the event and what the FOCWA data shows. Uh, they then go back to the afterboard, which once again is only the ALPA rep and the company rep from the event review committee, and they would present that data. And they would present that data personally. Uh, it could be through electronic means, but they would not transmit any of that data. It wouldn't be sent via email or anything like that. It would physically present it. They'd show it to them and interpret it with them in person and talk about it. And then based off of that, the ALPA and the company rep from the ERC, the afterboard, they would either decide to do nothing with it or to tack on something to make the corrective action better. 
All right, Vaughn, I think that was a, a very good explanation of the ASAP Focal Crosstalk program as far as a general overview is concerned. But you know, there are a lot of details to this program. So we encourage each of the pilots to you know, read this potential agreement um, and get to understand it. Plus, it'll give you some really great insights as to the safety side of the operation and, and how the different tiers and systems work and, and talk together. Uh, Vaughn, let's switch gears now and, and move on from the ASAP Focal Crosstalk world into the fatigue world. You know, um, our fatigue LOA here at Endeavor, it's gone through several iterations. Uh, when I first joined the airline back in 2011, and I think this was the case all the way through 2014 before we finally made an improvement, um, it was a very, very Spartan-esque um, fatigue letter. Uh, basically, a pilot could call in fatigue when they were fatigued. If the report was accepted, the pilot was paid out of their sick bank at a rate, and we were only accumulating two and a half hours a month. I mean, we weren't even accumulating anywhere near what we're accumulating now. And if a, and if it was rejected, um, you weren't paid at all. And that was a, a very, very poor uh, system. And so we've gone through several iterations, and, and there's been some big improvements to the fatigue program over the years, but there is still a need to continuously or continue those improvements. And so, Vaughn, why don't you kind of talk to um, the pilot group about what our aim is in this next iteration of the fatigue LOA and what improvements we're seeking. Sure, Nick. So the, the biggest improvement that we're seeking here uh, is that the way the fatigue letter of agreement is currently structured, when a pilot submits a fatigue report, it's either deemed operationally induced or non-operationally induced. But the best way to sum that up is that if a report's non-operationally induced, uh, the fatigue review board, which consists of an ALPA rep, and two company representatives, they've decided or they've agreed that the circumstances that led to the fatigue were wholly outside of the company's control. And in the event that that occurs, they're not saying that the pilot wasn't fatigued, but they're basically making a pay disposition related to it. From that point, it's sent to the chief pilot's office uh, where that pilot is based. And the pilot has a decision of whether or not they're, they're just going to take a reduction in monthly guarantee or they're going to credit sick time. Uh, to cover the removed flying from when they called fatigue, if the sick time is available. The issue that we have and that we'd like to improve with our current fatigue LOA is that when that occurs, it's up to the individual chief pilot in those given bases whether or not they would like to assign an accountable occurrence. And it's our concern that given that when a pilot files a fatigue report, that it could potentially, although not often, but that it could potentially lead to an accountable occurrence that it could be discouraging pilots from filing when they are actually fatigued, whether or not because they're out of occurrences and they're worried that they're at a fifth occurrence or whatever it may be. Um, so we'd like to completely divorce that from the program. That's something that we approached the company about, um, and they understood the concerns. And uh, we're working with them to see if we can remove those occurrences. Yeah, and you know what we've always championed with the company is the fatigue program it's not a pilot benefit in the JCBA as much as it is a safety program. And what you need to do, like to use your words, is you need to divorce the two buckets. You shouldn't have safety and discipline mixed or intertwined into the same bucket. Those need to be separate. And the company has pointed out that an individual occurrence in and of itself isn't necessarily discipline because it may not trigger an attendance letter or an advisory letter. But what we've pointed out is it's a step towards discipline. And unfortunately, it can have an impact, whether it should or not, it does have an impact in a pilot's decision-making process because we are all human. This is the same methodology and, and kind of logic that we used 
to try to get better pay provisions because when we had two and a half hours of sick bank accrual and we had very, very small sick banks, pilots were not wanting to call in fatigue because they couldn't afford it. We were literally at bankruptcy rates and the industry was moving in a, a completely different direction and away from us. And we just said, this is a safety issue as much as it is a pay issue. In fact, it's even more of a safety issue. And we feel the same way about occurrences. So, you know, I've, obviously our goal in this LOA was to separate those two things and to try to make sure that your progressive discipline, if I guess if that's what you really want to call it, I guess it may not be the best term, but that isn't impacted by your ability to operate within this safety program, which is the fatigue LOA. Yeah, exactly, Nick. And I think that uh, this has been a concern that's been brought to us by the pilots on a regular basis. We, I've talked to multiple pilots over the years now who have expressed concerns about filing fatigue reports when they, they have reached uh, you know, the point where their occurrences are, are heading towards discipline. So if we can take that out of the program, I think it would be a really great opportunity for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Vaughn. Well, thank you for those explanations. I know there's going to be more information coming out. Obviously, the documents being released. There's going to be FAQs. You can reach out to your reps. You can reach out to Vaughn and his central air safety team. You can reach out to the officers with any questions, and, and we'll be certainly more than happy to get, uh, get the correct answers for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the pilot group before we wrap up the podcast? I I'd just like to thank the pilot group for their participation in all of our safety programs. Uh, we have one of the best safety cultures at the regional airline level. Uh, you know, I sit on the Alpa National Safety Council, and they look to us as a model for how to run their safety, how to run safety programs at the regional level. What we're proposing to do here would bring us to a completely different level. I I, I genuinely believe that it would be a tremendous improvement to safety. And uh, I encourage each and every pilot who has any questions to reach out to us. I will make myself personally available to you to talk if you have any concerns. And uh, I, I thank everybody for their contributions to safety. Well, thank you, Vaughn. And thank you for joining us on the show and uh, presenting all that information. You did a nice job, sir. All right. Usually at this point in the show, we take a question from the front line. Um, but since we have had our little bit of a brief hiatus, we actually haven't been fielding any questions. So. If you have a question you'd like me to answer or you have a topic for the show, please send it to edvonair at alpha.org, edvonair at alpha.org. If your topic or your question is selected, we will send you a gift from the MEC. Uh, we do once again uh, apologize for the little bit of a hiatus again in the uh, podcast. We appreciate your patience, but uh, it looks like moving forward, we will be able to bring this to you on a regular basis. So look for these uh, podcasts about once a month on various topics. We thank you for uh, tuning into uh, this show. As always, fly safe and be safe out there, and we'll see you out on the line. Take care. Send everything to 531, runway 28, quit the land.